0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. With over 4,700 cases of coronavirus confirmed and at least 106 people having died, China is dealing with a variety of issues in some of its most important cities right now. But what impact will the virus have on that country's economy? Jacques Delil is a law professor here at the University of Pennsylvania, also a political science professor and director of the Center for East Asian Studies. And he joins me here in studio. Good to see you. Good to be back, Dan. Thank you. Thank um, you when you look at this right now where are the most important areas that you focus on from the chinese economy perspective
1: well there's obviously an immediate short-term disruption right this happens in the middle of the chinese new year it's 400 million people on the road they're traveling they're buying gifts and a lot of that has been disrupted as long-distance transportation has been shut down and as some major areas have been put under quarantine so that's a short-term hit but the real issues are down the road what does this mean about the possible spread of the virus If that lasts, then we could see some significant disruption. So the short-term stuff is things like Chinese New Year and a lot of foreign and domestic businesses cutting down travel, extending. They've officially extended the New Year's holiday period, Mm -hmm. and they've told a lot of people to work from home. That's a short-term hit. The question is if it gets to be a real bad illness and spreads a lot, that has bigger impacts. And, of course, there's a question of trust. I've heard a couple of different elements. One, uh, going off of something you just said, about the
0: the impact of the internet on this actually may be helping out because you potentially can have people working from home. Uh, Commerce, a lot of people use e-commerce in in China. So if you're going to purchase things, you may be able to have uh, a way to be able to do that. But also because of the fact that it was the Chinese New Year, you have some businesses that were shut down. And so you don't have that
1: element at play. Right, there are some important mitigating factors here and they've pointed to some of them. A lot of people in China do work in uh, tech related internet based uh, industries and they can work from home and are being told to work from home for extended periods. A lot of the international business, obviously, for a time can be conducted remotely and, and you can make up the trips later. So if this passes quickly, it's going to be okay. Um, and obviously, although Chinese New Year's is a, is a big time in some industries, it's a time when much of China shuts down. So lost productivity is, in fact, less because people weren't going to be going to work anyway.
0: We're joined by Jacques a law professor here at the University of Pennsylvania, also the director of the Center for For East Asian Studies, we're talking about the coronavirus and the impact of that on the Chinese economy. Now, one of the other interesting stories, I guess, that's going to be coming up, really very soon is Hong Kong. And the fact that I guess now they're talking about closing the borders uh, to mainland China because, again, they don't want to have that potential of, of carry-through in, into Hong Kong, which obviously has been having all kinds of issues on a
1: variety of different fronts over the last few months. Yeah, it certainly has. And we've already seen a shutdown of a lot of the modes of transportation, uh, the high-speed rail, and we've seen cut cutbacks in flights, and there's a real pushback in Hong Kong. And Hong Kong is sort of the extreme case of what's going on more generally. That is, there is a worry about whether the Chinese system is up to coping with this. And you know it's a big challenge by any measure. And the question about whether information is getting out quickly and efficiently enough so that people can respond to it. The shadow of SARS hangs over this. China yeah. handled that very badly a decade and a half ago. And so there's this question of, are the numbers being accurately reported? Are the measures being taken? Although in some ways quite proactive, quite active, are they the appropriate ones?
0: Well, and that was a comment earlier today by former FDA chief Scott Gottlieb, who was doing a TV interview that I had the chance to see. And he noted that potentially he believes that China could be underestimating the number of cases of coronavirus by tens of thousands. When you think about that, that's a significant
1: undersell of this. It is, and of course these things go exponentially, right? So that's the problem. And and it's a really a twofold problem. One is they may not have the information. I mean, rural right. China is a place where you know, it takes a while to get the information in. Uh, the hospitals are, are really just trying to get through hour by hour as they get deluged with people. And you know a lot of people are going to hospitals because it's not a great primary care system, and people are obviously reacting to symptoms. And so it's not clear how great the data collection is. And there is, you know, one of the weaknesses that Chinese political and bureaucratic system is uh, you don't want to be the bearer of bad tidings. Uh, so local yeah. officials face this kind of double or nothing choice. Do we try to keep it quiet and hope it'll go away or do we report it, in which case if it does not go away and it becomes a big problem, we're in trouble. Uh, but if we report up early problems, then that's kind of a black mark. And so the system is not great at responding to that. It's great at brute force responses. So once the news is it reaches the top level, we see things like pop-up hospitals being built and all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. And that'll do something, but it won't do everything. Uh, and we do see shortages of things like masks and testing kits and other things that are important to evaluating how many cases there are and stopping the spread.
0: So how much does the
1: Chinese government
0: need to, at this point, ask for help, rely on help from other entities like the U.S., the CDC here in the U.S. to be able to try and, and tackle this at a, at a,
1: at a better level? Well, I think help is going to be useful, but a lot of the bottlenecks are things just like, how do you produce enough face masks? How do you produce enough of these testing kits? And how do you get them there? How do you get medical personnel? Those are harder to dispatch. You can't just parachute in people. Um, So those things are hard to solve. I I think the information sharing in terms of the virus and its trajectory appears to be more transparent than in SARS, but there are are still doubts about how transparent it is. And there is this problem of whether they have completely accurate data.
0: I've heard also a couple of comments about when you relate what occurred with SARS back in 2003 to what we're seeing here now, is one of the elements at play here is the fact that the Chinese economy is so vastly different from
1: then to what it is right now in terms of the size of it, its influence and such. Right. So on the one hand, some of the things we're talking about are good news, right? People can work from home, more people are working in jobs, where so you don't actually have to go out in public to do them, and it's containable that way. On the other hand, it's a more affluent society, so people move around a lot more, yeah. so that the spread concern is greater. Uh, and you do have a world in which China is not just producing stuff, the, the possible disruption of global supply chains that could happen if this really became a pandemic, and there's no sign it's going there yet, but on the worst-case scenario. On the other hand, now we depend on Chinese demand in a way we didn't before, to drive the global economy. And the Chinese economy slowed down and all of that. But compared to a decade and a half or more ago, China's a bigger player. So if the internal economy slows down there, that's more bad news for the international economy. But some
0: of those elements that we've been talking about, especially like tourism and travel, those are elements that potentially you can recoup some of it
1: later on once this once this is cleared out. Right, and I think that's sort of what's going on now. So right now we're seeing you know, the Japanese tourist industry is panicked because they get a lot of people coming from China and some of those trips may just be deferred, but it's going to be at least a one-year hit because people have the vacation time yeah. at Chinese New Year's. That's not going to come around until the next year. Things like deferred purchases of goods and that and deferred business visits, you know, those can probably be made up. And even SARS, bad as it was, wasn't a really huge economic hit in the end. So if this stays on this scale, obviously it's a tragedy for the people who die and, and for the people who, who are ill, but it's not something that's a macroeconomic hit.
0: So what do you think needs to occur, at least in the short term? In, in, and obviously, again, you're, part of this is you're still looking for a cure for this. So y- there's only certain things you can do up until this point.
1: Right. I mean, a lot of it is, I mean, it is a pneumonia caused by a particular virus, and most of the people who've died have been people who have underlying health problems. So, yeah. so far, it doesn't look like it's you know some pandemic, uh, but the first step is obviously to to contain it, to diagnose it and contain it. And if that can happen, if the transmission doesn't go exponentially, then you know one will get through this and we'll see the system get through this. But I think that the issue now is, are, are the, is the Chinese system taking effective steps to stop the spread and to monitor it effectively?
0: Is, in this day and age where we are watching more closely the reports on Chinese GDP then, is there the possibility that they may see, and the numbers since we've been talking over the last few years, have been around 6 6.5%. It may very well be possible where we may see a growth number in the high fives coming up in the next quarter because of this. But again, because of the coronavirus, it may not be as big a concern.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that we don't know how much the hit this is going to take. Uh, if it's a SARS-scale hit, then something in that range is certainly possible. Yeah. But I think it would be seen as temporary coming out of the virus. But I think the longer-term concern is, this has laid bare some of the vulnerabilities, some of the fragilities in the Chinese economic system. Uh, you know, we've had a series of these disease concerns. The MERS was one, the MERS virus, the, the, the SARS, and we've seen others, and the you know, flus that come out. So there is this concern about, is it a system that can handle these kinds of diseases? If this is gonna be a chronic problem, then that's one thing. And another is you're seeing a lot of anger from Chinese citizens, a lot of distrust of the government. Now, it's nowhere near going to explode into some social revolution, but it is kind of another marginal um, step down Another uh, thing that goes into people's experience and repertoire that is is a lack of trust in the system, and that you know can have some corrosive effects.
0: and we've we've talked with you in the past about some of these elements at play over the last couple of years. And, and if this continues to build, is there a, a a need of the Chinese government to take this information into account and say, okay, we need to adjust a, B, and C
1: in our pro- in our thinking moving forward? Well, that's the hope, and there's certainly people who advocate for that within China. But the current regime is one that tends to react reflexively in ways that are not terribly accommodating to those kinds of of uh, expanding public input, of greater consultation, of that sort of thing. Uh, and we do see the rhetoric, as with SARS, we saw this this sort of bifurcation between this is a medical and public policy and public health problem, and this is a campaign that we must mobilize everybody to deal with a kind yeah. of blunt force uh, reaction. And we're seeing a little bit of that from Xi Jinping now. He called the virus the devil. There's kind of of this war rhetoric going on. <laughs> and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the short run, but it bespeaks a certain lack of sensitivity to the reforms you're talking about.
0: Great seeing you again. Thank you, Jacques. Great to be here. Thank Thanks. you. Jacques Delille, a law professor, political science professor here at the University of Pennsylvania. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.